Father spoke of the cross, forgiveness had grace. The choir sang power in the blood. As I walked down to the altar to pray, after all of these years and so many miles, I can say.
that song reminded me of Hebrews 23, and I love the amplified translation. It says this, Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. You know, all of us are here because God's faithful. This church is here because God's been faithful. He's proven himself faithful in the mountains and in the valleys. He's proven himself in our times of doubt, in our times of struggling, in our times of fear. He has proven himself, as this scripture says, reliable, trustworthy, and faithful. So I hope today that you can worship him knowing who he is and knowing that he is faithful no matter what you're facing. We want to welcome you to East Taylorsville Baptist Church. It's my honor to welcome you here. And we hope that, uh, that you've already received a few welcomes as you came into the place. And if you're visiting with us today, before you rush out the doors, please stop by our uh, lobby. There's a guest table there, and we would encourage you to pick up a guest bag that has some information on the church. And we'll hopefully answer questions that you may have, but that's available out there. We also encourage you, if you haven't already, to fill out a guest card. That's either in your bulletin called a care card or there's a QR code you can scan out there at the table, but it would help us out to know how we can serve you better. But right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand. And I just remember, go ahead and stand. I have a quick announcement. We will be starting Awana. That is for age 3 through 5th grade, beginning on September 17th. If you have a child that is going to be a part of that, we would encourage you today to pick up a registration form. Uh, Elizabeth will have those in the kids' worship room. There will also be some in the hallway in the preschool area, so you can pick that up. Uh, then and Tracy will be in the lobby if you have any questions. We also are in need of a few more volunteers to serve in Awana this year. And uh, Tracy will be out there and can help you understand a little bit better uh, what we need out there. But take just a minute, greet your neighbor, welcome them to the service. Introduce yourself, even if you've known them 100 years, and uh, welcome them to the service.
again. Thank you so much. As we come to this time of prayer, I uh, just want to remind you that this altar is open during this prayer time for any reason that you have for you and your family. But I'd like to mention uh, uh, things that are going on in the life of our church because we are a family. And uh, we need to remember Ray Bruder in prayer. Ray and Penny are always here. They're very faithful. He's at Baptist Hospital. A lot of you may or may not know, but Ray, Ray has a pump that he has to wear that connects to his heart. Um, he's having issues with that pump, okay? It's very, very, very serious. When I say very serious, I mean it's very serious. Hopefully he may be able to have a surgery Wednesday. So if you will remember Ray and Penny in your prayers, um, they, I'm sure they're probably watching online this morning. And uh, just lift them up in your prayers and try to remember that. Uh, hopefully Wednesday, you know, things can change in the hospital. Also, I didn't ask him, but Randy Walsh, will you raise your hand? He's there in the back. I really appreciate Randy. Uh, Randy had like a seven-inch blood clot in his body uh, this past week, and he's here this morning. Let's just thank the good Lord for how well he's doing. Randy, we love you and Tracy, and we just thank God for what, what he's done in your life. Freddie Brock, if you'll come up here. I've known Freddie a long time. I love this guy. My, my daughter spent the night at his house, so pray for him. All right. He, uh, Amber and Taylor's really good friends, and Freddie's uh, wife, Cindy Lou, um, needs a kidney transplant. And they got a donor. So we're so thankful for that. We praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> and uh, so that's, that's, a, that's a major answer to prayer. I don't, if, unless you know the steps that go into this for this donor. You, it, unless you know. It's just a God thing, okay? Cindy Lou's at High Point Medical Center right now. Okay, and she's having issues with her kidneys. She's doing some better this morning, but she has to be well. Her donor has to be well, and I want us to focus this prayer time, if you will, on Cindy Lou. So if you will, as the praise team leads us in this time of, of prayer, if you'll meet me here, and let's just gather around Freddie, and let's lift his family up to the Lord in prayer this morning, if you will. Meet me here at this altar this morning. Fathers, we come to you in prayer, Lord. Uh, I want to lift up Ray and Penny. Lord, they need your touch. Lord, they in, in themselves need uh, really a miracle to happen, Father. We just pray that you'd work in their situation. I pray for his daughters and his son. Lord, you bless and help and heal. Lord, I want to thank you for Randy. Lord, I was in that emergency room with him, and Lord, things look so bleak, but Lord, you touched his body. You worked through doctors and nurses in medicine, and he's here this morning, Lord, so I lift he and Tracy up. Lord, their boys, you bless them, and we praise you for what you've done in their life. Father, I lift up Cindy Lou and her family. Lord, I pray that you continue to bring healing to her as she's at High Point Medical Center. Bless her medical team that's around her. Lord, encourage her through the Holy Spirit. I pray for Freddie as a caregiver. Lord, her children as they travel back and forth. Lord, you bless and help them. Lord, I pray for this donor. What a courageous act. To give yourself for someone else. And Lord, I pray for them. And Lord, we pray that this transplant could happen. We pray that it would be successful. And we pray that you'd be honored and glorified through the rest of her life. 
and this donor's life for what you've done. Lord, I'm honored to pastor this place. Lord, I'm honored to belong to a spiritual family at East Hills of Baptist Church. And I'm honored that we can love each other and we can pray for each other at times like this. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you're doing, for what you have done, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and all the God's people say together, amen. Thank you very much.
New Testament, the word church, ecclesia, is never used to refer to a building, but rather the word most frequently refers to a gathering of believers in Jesus Christ. Belonging to a local church is a sign that you belong to Jesus. You cannot be an authentic, growing, balanced follower of Jesus without a vital relationship with his body, the church. Our enemy wants to isolate us Sin isolates us. There are some people who go through life, I've met them, they never become a member of a church because they never find a perfect church. It's like a young man who never marries because he never finds the perfect woman. God wants you to belong to a local church. It is the church where discipline is exercised. It is the church where mutual accountability is practiced. It is the church where biblical leadership functions. It's the church where missionaries are commissioned. It's the church where we gather for worship and prayer. And it is an incredible privilege to be part of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Thank you. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 19 and stand with me. And this morning we're going to talk about this thought, church membership. If you'll stand with me, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 19. We're going to look, just look at verses 8 through 10 and 18 through 20, and then I'm going to talk about church membership. I'm going to go over things that we'd go over if you went through our new members class, because our new members class is a requirement to join here. And I'll explain that in just a moment. So if you're here today and you're interested in church membership and you listen to the sermon and don't fall asleep, then you're eligible for church membership. But notice, we're going to look at the church at Ephesus here real quickly. The Bible says this in verse 8 of chapter 19. It says this, And he went into the synagogue, it's talking about Paul, and spoke, spoke boldly for three months. This is a Jewish synagogue. And he spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened... And did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. So what happened was, when the Jews that did not believe in his message got mad and kind of kicked him out of the synagogue, he just rented a place. This school of Tyrannus, and from 2 to 4 in Ephesus, most people in that culture took a nap. Is that a blessing or what? How many of you have ever had a nap during your workday? I knew some guys, but I never have. Wouldn't you love to have a nap? So what Paul said was this, I'll just rent this out. And from that time while y'all are napping, I'll start teaching. So he taught, notice what the Bible says. And this continued for two years. Could you imagine every day, Monday through Friday, I'm assuming, Paul teaching for two hours. That's amazing. What's the result of that? Notice what it says. And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia... Heard the word of the Lord, Jesus, both Jews and Greek. Now, we, we know there's some exaggeration there, but God doesn't exaggerate much, does he? This word went out throughout Asia. And then notice verses 18 and 19. This is after uh, Paul and them exercised a demon, but it also refers back to verses 8 and 10. It says, And many who had believed, because of verses 8 and 10, confessing and telling their deeds, also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books. Now, when you see that, you're just thinking, well, everybody had a book back then. Nobody had a book back then. Nobody. Book, a book back then was worth a lot of money. It's amazing that in Ephesus they had occult books. People spent their money on occult books. This is the, this is the place Paul went to start a church. Witchcraft, devil worship, all that. Because the demons were blessing them. They were. So they said, okay, if I'm going to be a Christian, I've got to get rid of this book. I've got to get rid of this book. So that's true repentance. That's true revival. When God saves a person and they get rid of their occult practice, that's a good thing. It says this, got rid of their books. They, they brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, which would have been a scandal. You don't understand unless you understand the culture. You did not burn a book. You willed your book to somebody else. You just did. You just did nobody had books. So they're burning their books, and they counted up the value of them, and it, and, and it to, I'm sorry, They've counted up the value of them, and to, it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. Sorry, I can't talk. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So what Paul did at this, this place in Ephesus was he rents a room, he starts preaching, he has believers, people start burning their books, and then guess what they do? They start a church. And if you read Revelation chapter 2, Jesus talks about the church at Ephesus. He talks about the good things. This is probably some 40 years later, but he also talks about the one bad thing. Okay? But when he blesses them, he says, you have persevered, you have labored, you are 
doctrinally sound. I mean, this church was blessed with Paul, with Timothy, with John. They had some of the best preaching in the world. But Jesus talks about that it was a local church in Ephesus. So church membership is the pattern of the New Testament. So before I pray, I'd ask you this question. Are you a member of a local church, and does it even matter? I think it matters. It's, it's of utmost importance that you belong to a good Bible-believing Bible preaching church. Let's pray. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the prayer time. Thank you for the singing. Lord, we're so, I'm so blessed to pastor here and be a member here. Lord, I want to thank you for what this church does, for how this church loves, for how this church serves, for how this church prays. And Father, I'm so thankful for the things that you allow me as a pastor to see. Many things I can't even share and I have to keep them in. But Lord, things like, like what happened this week happen often here. Eddie's Tales of Baptist Church. Lord, I want to thank you for our county. We have 100 plus churches, and most of those churches are good, solid, Bible believing churches. And I pray that you'd bless them as well. It's not unusual for a, a, a couple to come to this church. They don't feel like this is the right church, and I'll point them into a, to another church, and they join that church, and I'm happy for them. So, Father, if there's anyone here today and they're looking for a church home, or maybe they've been a part of East Hales Baptist Church for quite some time but never joined, Father, through the Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak to them. And if this is where you would have them, I pray that they would not hesitate. And wait another five years, but go ahead and make plans to become a member of East Hillsville Baptist Church. You don't have to be a member to go to heaven, but Lord, what a blessing it is. You are, the bri- you are our bridegroom. Lord, we're the bride of Christ, and Lord, you have set up, and your uh, purpose is for us to be parts, a part of a local church. So Father, I pray that you'd bless our time this morning, and Father, I pray that you would convict, challenge, convert, and change for your honor and for your glory. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you're doing. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. And once again, all of God's people said, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Bill Hybels, I remember listening, hearing him say this. Uh, I was watching TV one day, and he made this statement, and I looked it up and found it online. He said, there's nothing like the local church when it's working right. Now, think about that. There's absolutely nothing in Alexander County like the local church if it's working right. Any local church. Okay. Its beauty is indescribable, its power is breathtaking, its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the brokenhearted in the context of community. No other organization does that. They try, but they can't do it. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. Still to this day, the potential for the local church is almost more than I can grasp. No other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. There's a church and nothing else. There's no second or third or fourth or fifth. There's nothing like the local church. So why, what about church membership? How does church membership work in a Baptist church? When I was an associate pastor in 2003, I remember when they'd give an invitation, I would come from right there and I'd stand right here and pray nobody came to me. Don't let nobody come to me. I remember saying that. And I remember a guy in the balcony I'd never seen before, and I was just looking at him. He came down. He came down. He was kind of weeping. It was one of those services, right? And I said, Hey, my name is Jamie Steele. How can I help you? And he said, I think I want to join the church, is what he said. I said, really? I said, tell me a little bit about yourself. He said, well, I was born here. I said, no, not that. I said, tell me about your spiritual condition. True story. He says, I said, are you a Christian? He said, no. And I said, uh, have you been in church before? He said, no. I said, you've been baptized? He said, no. And I said, now this is awkward. Well, you can't join the church. Why? Now, we're having this discussion at the invitation, right? Why? And I'm trying to explain to him. And it was such an awkward, it was awkward for me. And it was awkward for him. 
And I remember staff meeting that Monday. This is what I said. I said, if you guys are good with it, I'm going to get us a plan to help people join the church. Then through that came Class 101, where we meet with people before you join. We talk to you about what we believe, why we believe. I talk to you about everything you want to know. The requirements to join here, you must be born again. There are no unbelievers that are a part of a local church. You're just not. The word church means those that are called out and saved. So you must be born again. And then since your salvation, you have to be baptized by immersion. Okay, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But if I want to know a little bit about a church, I don't want to know some history on the church, wouldn't you? Just, just some basic facts. Notice some of the facts about our church. We're, we're going to be 100 years old next year. Isn't that amazing? Y'all don't look that old, okay? You're going to be 100 years old next year. We have about 1,400 members, whether they're here or not. We, I pastor 1,400 members, trust me, whether they're here or not, all right? I don't know what other churches do. That's none of my business. I know what I do. Okay, your staff works here. 1,400 members, that's 400-plus families belong to East Hills Baptist Church. When we, when we send out a phone tree, it's 400-plus families that go out, okay? We, we had about a, a million-dollar budget, I think, Kevin, for about the last 13 years, and that's incredible to have a budget that large at, in, um, in Alexander County, and we have absolutely no debt. Isn't that not a blessing? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. <laughs> Listen, this building that you're sitting in is just a miracle. Look at this picture on the screen. I, I don't know if you can see it, but if you'll see that square to my right, that was the uh, Little Oil Company, okay? 2004, we voted to buy that for $175,000. It didn't work out, which was a blessing, was it not, Steve? Uh, we were going to build this building to my left. If you notice, there are mobile homes there, and there's a little house there. That lady's name was Miss Sharp. She's with Jesus now, okay? Church tried for years to try to work out a thing for her property, she always said no, okay? And you didn't back talk Miss Sharp. I didn't. I didn't. When, when, when I talked to her, it was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And I remember one day she came to me and said, why have you never asked me for this property? And I said, I'm never going to, but I'll tell you what you do. You pray about it, and if God wants you to do it, then I got a nice house for you. And guess what? Over a period of time, that became our property. And when that became our property, our building grounds committee got together and says, we need to add to this church. So we did. So we had plans to put that building right there, and it was going to be difficult. We still had this issue over here because they owned the majority of our front parking lot. Okay? And guess what happened? With a series of events, I got a call from Danny Dyson. Steve and I went to a local lawyer. He said, you're not getting the property. There's no way you can get the property. I told our deacons, I said, listen, that old chicken wire fence around it, just every now and then, I'm not trying to be super spiritual. Just touch it and say, God, if you want us to have it, give it to us. Okay. It became available. We thought the environmental cleanup would be $100,000, $200,000. We ended up getting that property that we had voted on to buy in 19, or 2004 for $175,000. We got it for $22,000. The environmental cleanup was $10,000. That's a miracle. Then we started this process of, of time to build in 2008. Guess what happened in 2008? The economy crashed. And I went, what are we doing? I remember doing our groundbreaking, my hand was shaking. It was really hands were shaking. I was like, Lord, what are we doing? And, and you know, we built this building. We dedicated it in 2013. $4.5 million building, non-government non building. It's the most expensive building, I think, in the history of Alexander County. And we paid it off in less than eight years. Is that not a blessing? Is, God not, is that not a blessing? What amazing thing. The title of our building fund at that time was Time to Build, and it was the right time. This is 44,000 square feet. And we built this building for $100 a square foot, 
Try to do that in this, this economy today. It was just the right time. It was such a blessing. I can tell you stories of the subs that we hired that this was their only job. Their only job. They didn't have another job at that time. And it got them through, and it was just a God thing. It was such a blessing. So that's some of the facts about this church and how God has moved. Notice the second thing up here on the screen. What, what do you believe? Or the third thing, do not join a church anywhere on the, in the world unless you know what they believe. This is, this is all that matters to begin with, right? What do they believe about Jesus? Jesus is the only way to heaven. A lot of churches don't believe that now. Don't send your kids there. Don't go there. I don't care if the music's good and the preacher's looks like a, he just got to have a boy band, whatever, you know, don't, don't, look, Jesus was virgin born and resurrected from the dead, if you don't believe that, you can't even be saved, if the church don't believe that, it's not a church, it's just not, I don't care what you say, it's not, Jesus will come back again, that's our hope, every time we take communion, we proclaim the Lord's death and his return, right, Jesus will judge every person who has ever lived, me, you, and everybody, that's a fact, Jesus will be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He already is in heaven, but God will coronate him again here on this earth. It's going to happen. Jesus is God in flesh. If you don't believe that, you can't even be a Christian. So why would you go to a church that doesn't believe that, right? And if you don't believe that, don't join here because we're not changing for you. Amen? Notice the second part here. These things here, the Bible is God's inspired word. Every bit of it is true. Even the maps are inspired because God inspired the missionary journeys. Okay? I use the New King James Version. I have to tell this to people. I, I thank God for the King James Version. It's one of the greatest uh, post-apostolic gifts that's been given to uh, the church. Tremendous translation. I use the New King, change, New King James Translation. If that's an issue for you, I'm not changing. You can change or, or go somewhere else. Okay? Isn't that good? Isn't that good we have choices? Look, baptism and the Lord's Supper are not sacraments here. They don't save you. The Lord's Supper does not save you. When we took the Lord's Supper, that was not, we're not like Catholics. Okay, I don't believe that little piece of thing that we ordered in the mail is Jesus' actual body. Just don't believe it. It's not biblical. Okay? Baptism does not save you. It happens after you're saved. You, that, that's enormous whenever you come to join in a church. The Trinity. I don't know. It's there. Nobody can explain it, so I'm not going to try. What about social issues? We're pro-life. We are. Absolutely 100% pro-life. But... If you've been through an abortion, we love you. You can tell me I love you. Hey, when, when I was a teenager and lost, oh, I would have I done it. I would have paid for it. I didn't know any better. And I would hate to come to a church and they just started calling me, you know, a murderer. In my brain, I, did, I didn't think I would do something wrong. Thank God I wasn't put in that position. Do you realize how many people are out there in society today and the church just shuns and shuns and shuns? You can come here. We love you. We'll help you through it. Marriage is between one man and one woman. All right, we'll talk about that in just a moment. And the poor and the hungry, if they're actual poor and hungry people and we don't help them, then why are we in a $4.5 million building, amen? Why? You come to Jamie Steele, and we'll look at your situation and we'll help you. We've done that countless times in this community. Notice our marriage statement. This is very important now, and I'm going to read it up here because I'm getting old and don't have good eyesight. Notice, because God has ordained marriage and defined it as a covenant relationship between a man and a man, and a woman and himself, East Hillsville Baptist Church will only recognize marriages between a biological man and a biological male. Okay? So if you're here today and you're not one of those, you want to join, you just can't join. I'm just going to be honest with you. You can't join that way. Furthermore, the pastors and ministers of East Hillsville Baptist Church shall only participate in weddings and solemnize marriages between one man and one woman. 
Only the pastors and ministers of East Hillsville Baptist Church shall officiate weddings at East Hillsville Baptist Church. So if you want to do a wedding here, myself, Kevin, or Justin has to be over it. All right? You can have other people come in, but that's, that's our policy. That policy applies to me just like it does to you. Okay? Uh, finally, the facilities and properties of East Hillsville Baptist Church shall only host weddings between one man and one woman as defined by their birth. That's very important today. All right? What do you believe? Notice this picture on the screen. When Paul went to Ephesus, the temple of Diana was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. This was their religious hub. This was their, every person in Ephesus was, went there. Okay, now listen to what one scholar says about this place in Ephesus. He says, there were scores of eunuchs who had been castrated for the purposes of serving his god or goddess. This was kind of like their church and marketplace. There were thousands of priestess who were nothing but prostitutes who believed in sexual orgies that could bring the worshiper up into the presence of the deities. That's how you worshiped. That's why so many people went to church there. There were unnumbered heralds who, who proclaimed those. There were singers, there were flutists, there were dancers. And, and just can you imagine the chaos in the temple? People doing banking, criminals trying to find asylum, people looking at the museum pieces, worship going on, prostitution going on, music, feasts, festivals. The whole hysteria became a frenzy of shameless sexual mutilation. One scholar put it this way, or one historian from their time, he said this from Ephesus, he said, the morals of the temple are worse than the morals of animals. For even dogs do not mutilate each other. The people there are only fit to be drowned. Paul said, I believe I'll start a church here. How are you going to do it? You're going to preach the Bible. Paul did, not, uh, Paul did not compromise on one thing. Paul would tell you, if you don't believe it, don't come here. That's what he would tell you. And, that, and that's why the word of God grew. Paul preaches the word, and many are converted, delivered, and the people's lives are changed forever. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, the Bible says. John Piper says this, our life begins with the word and we stay alive by the word. If we abandon the word of God, we die spiritually. Only the word of God gives the life which matters in the end. Notice, notice what Paul told Timothy when Paul left. He says, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, that local congregation, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Paul says the temple is not the pillar and ground of the truth anymore. This church is. So you need to belong to a church that you know what they believe and they actually preach what they believe, right? And, and I say this, and I'm not, I'm not going to name churches, of course. It could be a, a nationwide. A lot of churches are nothing more than small Lifeway devotionals where the pastor gets up, he has a verse of Scripture, and gives you life coaching, and that's it. That's it. And if you want to belong to a church like that, fine. There's, there's thousands of them in North Carolina, right? belong to it. Paul said, I think I'll just preach the Bible, and if you want to come, come. If you don't, don't. That's always been my policy. Okay? Next week, we'll start 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Because that's all that we need is the Bible, right? Only the Bible can change and convert. Okay? So notice the next slide up here on the screen. Why, do you, why is baptism a requirement? Why are we Southern Baptists? Why was John called John the Baptist? All right? To follow the example set by Jesus, Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. You can read that in Mark 1, 9. Christ commanded it. He said, he said at the Great Commission to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is part of di discipleship. Every time I baptize somebody, 
I'll say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When I do weddings, your vows end up in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because Christ commands it, and it demonstrates that I really am a believer. Now, notice Acts 2.38. This is very important. Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. When he's preaching on the day of Pentecost, he says something like this. David's tomb's over there. He says, he's still there. Jesus' tomb's right there. He's not there. You got a shroud there in the shape of a body. You got a stone that's been picked up and moved. It's supernatural. Jesus appeared to us. He's alive. And what are you going to do? Now, he's preaching to Jews on the day of Pentecost. They said, they, they stopped him and said, they stopped him. The Bible says they were cut to the heart. They were shredded by conviction. What must we do? And he says, repent and be baptized and be saved, basically is what he says. So on that day, 3,000 Jews on the day of Pentecost were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amazing. Publicly, which meant they said, we're doing away with all of Judaism, which meant, could have meant death for them. Do you realize in India you don't get baptized publicly? They take you out in the woods because they'll kill you. In Iran, you think you're going to get baptized publicly? You're not. Do you, do you, think, do you think in Iraq you're going to get baptized publicly? Probably not. What excuse do you have as a, listen, I want to look at all the grown men look at me. You're a man, right? And you're afraid to get baptized publicly? Come on now. Really? I never have understood that. When I went to uh, Wilkes Prison with Scotty Barnes, I've shared this with you before, we, we had a, a baptism night set up. It's a Thursday night. We're inside this like kitchen area, okay? And we're speaking about, I was speaking about baptism and the guy came to me and says, you can't baptize in here. I said, why? He says, just, you just can't. I said, where can we baptize? He says, out here, right out here, right outside the yard. I said, good. And I told the man, I said, all your buddies are in the yard. You ain't getting baptized in front of peers. You're getting baptized in front of the guys in the yard. And if you want to back out, you back out. But I want people that really want to be baptized to be baptized. And you know, we baptize more people because we baptize them in front of the people in the yard. It was a public profession of their faith where they said, I know who you knew who I was, but this is who I am now. The old me has died and the new me has come. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. We all struggle, don't we? We all struggle with everything. It's not about that. It's like my faith is in Jesus now. It demonstrates that I really am a believer. Now go to the next slide. Why do we immerse? Because we understand what words mean. Stop means Okay, come on now. I went to Sugarloaf. I know I'm a little smarter. So look, stop means every time, right? Go means go. Good, good. Okay, baptize means to dip, under, submerge, drown, immerse every time the word is used. That's what it means. I can't change the meaning. It don't mean splash. It don't mean sprinkle. We got words for those. When Peter said be baptized, he said be immersed. When the Bible says Jesus was baptized, he was immersed. It's a picture of a death and resurrection, all right? Because Jesus was baptized that way, every baptism in the Bible was by immersion. That's what the word means. It's what the Hebrew word means. Baptism started back in Moses' day, okay? Notice this picture on the screen. Every synagogue in Jesus' day, you have the synagogue there. Over to my right, you have a mikvah, a body of water. And before you went into that synagogue, you baptized yourself every time you went in. Okay, now listen to this. This is from a Messianic Jewish, Jewish 
website. Baptism is a biblical ritual that has been practiced regularly by all of Israel since the days of Moses. The word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which primarily means to dip, dunk, immerse. It shows, it gives a picture of somebody whose internal life has changed. It was written in the Bible to take the place of the Hebrew word tabila, which means to totally immerse. In the Old Testament, New Testament, that's what it means. I can't change the meaning of the word. For the observant Jew, the mikvah up there personifies both the womb and the grave, and consequently, rebirth. It's a picture of that. To the Jew, it meant it. It is regarded as a pure, unadulterated avenue of connection with God. And for that reason, it's a place where hope is reawakened and strengthened. When a Jew would go through those waters, they'd come out saying, Today, if it's Tuesday, I'm born again. That's what they'd say. That's where the word came from. The mikvah, therefore, plays an important role from preparation for marriage and Yom Kippur for the purification of women. That word in the Hebrew, which means full bodily immersion, marks a change of status from being the word in Hebrew is tamay to tahor, which means ritually unclean to ritually clean. Observant Jews still do it to this day. This is necessary because any time a person is coming to the presence of God, they must come pure. So when they would go to the synagogue, they would baptize themselves and then go into the synagogue because they'd be pure before God. That was their belief. It was forbidden to come into the presence of God in the temple without first passing through a mikvah. Scripture instructs that anyone who becomes ritually unclean through contact with a dead or diseased person needs to be immersed in water before re-entering the temple, and that's all throughout the Old Testament. The mikvah was also to take place after a leper had been declared healed by a priest. Leviticus says this, the Lord says to Moses, these are the regulations for the diseased person. At the time of his ceremonial cleansing, mikvah, he must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water, and he will be clean. That's what it's talking about. As well, a woman who completes her menstrual cycle needs to be immersed before resuming sexual relations with her husband. Okay? Because you, you went from unclean to clean. That's what the Jews had to do. And he goes on to say this, There's no better way to enter a marriage than to start off being pure. Because Torah observant Jews today, women will sometimes on the day of their wedding, before they, before they get married, go through the mikvah. The bride is immersed as close to the wedding as possible, even on the afternoon before the ceremony, understanding the term born again. Referred to in the conversion to Judaism sheds light on the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Now listen, Nicodemus says this, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb, can he? Remember, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and he says, I, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God. And Jesus said, unless you're born again. Unless you're born again. Born from above. Born from above is the word Jesus has used. You'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus had went through those waters hundreds of times, maybe thousands. And every time he come out of the water, he says, because I went in this water, I'm born again. Because that, that mikvah was called the mother's womb, if you will. Now notice, you don't understand John 3 unless you understand this. Jesus said this, from his Jewish perspective, Nicodemus is essentially asked, how can I convert to Judaism if I'm already a Jew? And Jesus said this, a man must be born of water and the Spirit. He is explaining to Nicodemus that we cannot rely on our Jewishness to enter the kingdom of heaven, a conversion of our spiritual condition is necessary for salvation. And what Jesus told Nicodemus is, your baptisms are no good. He says, you've got to have water and the Spirit. He says, and basically, and Nicodemus says, tell me about the Spirit. And Jesus said, the wind blows where it wishes. You can't see the wind, can you? Can you see the wind? But you see the results of the wind. And basically what Jesus is foreshadowing Nicodemus is, one day the wind's coming uh, and you'll be born again. Right? The water don't save you. 
See, you're saved and then you're baptized because you're saved. So you must be baptized after your salvation to be a member here. So if you come to me and say, well, I got saved back in, you know, 2004, and I'll say, when were you baptized? You said, I hadn't yet, but I still want to join the church. We're going to say you can't because we're Bible-believing Christians here, right? The Great Commission has baptism in it, and you don't get a pass, right? So if, if, you, if you're interested in church membership, then you need to understand you have to have a salvation date. You don't have to know it for sure, but you need to have a time that you've been baptized by immersion in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? So as we close, all right, why is membership important? Why membership in a local church? Look at this spiritual growth. Now, when I think about spiritual growth now, when I first got saved, I had to go to the bookstore and buy commentaries. Uh, I didn't even know what the internet was. I can, get more, I, can, I can get more knowledge now online in one day than I can four years in a seminary. I can get seminary training for nothing online, right? I can buy any commentary in the world for half price or less on a Kindle app. I have probably 400 books on my phone. Why do I need to church? I liken it to, to this. I love to hear Stephen Lawson preach. I've heard him, I've never seen him in person. I've heard him 100, 200 times online. I love to hear him preach. But I had an opportunity to go to a preaching conference and Stephen Lawson was standing right here and I was seated right there. There's no comparison. There's just none. See, you can watch church online till Jesus comes back. It's just not the same, is it? I mean, come on, really? It's not the same. You can watch David Jeremiah. Charles Stanley's with the Lord. You can still watch him, right? Okay? It's not like being in person in church, is it? Spiritual growth happens in church. I've never met a Christian who's really doing great things for God. It's not a part of a local church. Spiritual gifts. Do you realize you can use your spiritual gifts on your job? I tried to. I failed at it often. Hey, I spoke to the teachers at the high school before, before school started, okay? And I've talked about a teacher that used his spiritual gifts. I remember my first grade teacher, Miss Long. Did anybody ever have Miss Long? Beautiful woman, beautiful woman. She, she, she helped me. Listen, you know the book, See, Cat, Run? I couldn't say see, couldn't say it. It just didn't register. I couldn't, I stuttered. I couldn't, I couldn't do S's. People would laugh. Miss Long would come up to me, Jamie, oh, you're going to get it one day. Set me up with a speech therapist, and after about a year, I could say this. See, cat, run. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because Miss Long, who is a beautiful woman, died a beautiful woman, used her spiritual gifts as a teacher. But where are your spiritual gifts primarily supposed to be used? In the local church. Peter says, do not neglect the gifts that you have because you can serve one another in the context of the local church. God has gifted each and every one of us and it's to be used primarily here and then go throughout the community, okay? Spiritual investments. Listen to this verse that Jesus shared. Now, I, when, you, when it comes to my money and you want me to invest, the answer is no, because I don't trust you. No, I'm just kidding. But think about this. Jesus said this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is that not true? God developed a spiritual discipline in my life to invest in the kingdom. I invest here on earth because God tells us to, to be smart, all right? But primarily, I want to invest in the God's kingdom. 
Listen to what one financial Christian said. He, he's, a, he's a very good, golly Christian investor. He says, when we invest our wealth and resources for the cause of the kingdom, our spiritual blessings will keep on increasing. The number never goes down. And it follows you when you get to heaven. And it lives way on past you. Do you realize those of you that gave just for this building? As long as this building is existing and there's somebody preaching the gospel, your investment keeps growing. I don't care if you've been dead since we dedicated it. You can't get that anywhere else. Okay? And then finally, you belong to a spiritual family. I don't know how many times, and I have these conversations that y'all don't, that people will say this, I'm so thankful to be a member of your church. I have a family now. Not long ago, I've, I've talked to a couple people, and this is what they said. I need a family. A family. See, when you join a church, you should have a family. Now, a lot of that depends on you, okay? A lot of that depends on you, how involved you want to be and how open you are to people, all right? But don't you get homesick when you're away from your family? When I went to the Philippines, it was the first time I was away. Uh, my travel partner was Melissa. Raise your hand, Melissa. She helped me through a lot of tough times over there, especially on the plane. When we were coming back, we had a little bit of turbulence. Did we not? I looked at Melissa and I said, is this normal? Every time we'd have turbulence, I'd say, is this normal? She'd say, yeah. When we got back to Charlotte, I said, is this normal? normal? She said, no. And I said, oh, we get all the way back, been gone 10, 11 days. You know, but when we landed, when we landed, I clapped. Thank God. Thank God you drive like Dale, Dale Jr., right? Not Rusty Wallace. But anyway, um, I said, thank God. When we got off the plane and got inside the airport, I literally got on my hands and knees and kissed the ground. And cried my eyes. I was only gone 10 or 11 days, right? 10 or 11 days because I miss my family. They met me at the airport. I don't see how military people do it. I don't see how people who have these jobs or have to be gone for a month or six months. I, honest, I don't see how you do it. Pray for them, okay? I don't see how you do it, right? Because you get homesick for your family. Do you realize how many people I talk to in a nursing home? Now hear me. Who would love to trade places with you? I don't know what it took you to get here this morning. I don't want to know what you said in the car. We've all been there. But there are people that'd love to be in your place. I've talked to people in hospitals that said I may never get to come back. I'm thankful for online, but it's not the same, preacher. Okay? Please don't take for granted your spiritual family and meeting together. When I'm, it, when I'm away from this place, I get homesick. I do. Watching it online is fine, but it's just a lot of times I don't because y'all want to chat during the sermon, all right? So, and, and I, I've had the privilege to be in a lot of big churches with big name preachers, and what I'll do every time if I don't get arrested is I go up, this is what I do. And I stand behind their pulpit. And I look out. And I never think to myself, well, what would it be like to preach here? You know what I say every time? This ain't my church. This ain't where God's called me to be. This ain't my people. Because God's called me to be here. Amen. Do you have a spiritual family? Do you? If you don't, we would love to talk with you about that. Now, the church this morning is not open for membership, but it will be. This is what we give people here. I know you think it's corny. Look, we give everybody a brick. Says these tells. You know why we do that? This is what I tell them in new members class. Because I'm a brick and you're a brick. I'm no better than you. My gifts are no better than yours. If, you work, if you're working in the nursery now or extended session, what you're doing is just as important as what I'm doing. I'm doing what God's called me to do, right? I don't have special privileges. We don't have preacher parking here for me, do we? Do we? 
We do. I've missed it for about the last 30, 20 years. Okay, we don't have that. You know why? Because I'm no better than you. I used to park across the road. The reason I park over here on Sunday mornings is because I get here before you do, right? And I'll park where I want to. But anyway, I'm no better than you. I'm just a brick. And it takes all of us to build God's kingdom, does it not? See, we're all, in God's eyes, you're the same size. You look the same. Just do what God's called you to do. Amen. So I want you to stand with me just for a moment. We're not going to have a long invitation. With every head bowed, just for a moment, and every eye closed. And as we come to this time, Sharon's, uh, Bev's going to play real softly. And if you'll just bow your heads for just a moment. If you're here today, and you're a member of East Hillsville Baptist Church, just in the quietness of this moment, why don't you just thank God for your church family? Some of you, your best friends are a part of this church and you know them because of this church. What a blessing that is. Some of my best friends in life are from East Hillsville Baptist Church and I met them since 2002, since I've been a member here. If you're a member of this church, why don't you take time to thank God for your teachers, for your staff, for your prayer partners. And then if you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, that's the most important part, to be a part of the church universal. And today, in your own way, give your life to Christ in the quietness of this moment. Admit that you're a sinner, that Jesus is your only hope for salvation. Confess your need for salvation and confess Him as Lord. It's just really that simple. So simple a child can understand it, the Bible says. And then if you want to make that public, I'd love to talk with you after the service about that. If you need to schedule a baptism, please contact me and we'll schedule that as well. But after I pray, if you, this, this altar is open if you need it. And if not, we'll, we'll close the service in prayer. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you, Lord, for this day, for this opportunity to worship together. Lord, if there's anyone here today who's never placed their faith and trust in you, that's the most important thing. And I pray that even today they'd be saved for your honor and for your glory. Father, in Jesus' name I pray. As Sharon leads us in this, this time of worship, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. If you're interested in church membership, please talk to me. What we try to do is not make that joining time awkward for you. We schedule up a time for you to, jo to join. I meet you here. You don't have to say anything. Okay, so we, we do that for you. All right, when I joined a church uh, after the Lord saved me, it was to me it was awkward for me. It wasn't awkward for them because I didn't know what to do. Nobody ever told me. So we try to make that process as easy for you as possible. If you're looking for a church and this is not yours, I'll try my best to find you one, okay? Love you. God bless you. Hope you have a great Sunday afternoon. Hope to see you back here Wednesday. Thank you and you're dismissed.